Welcome to season two of our Bold Conscious Connections podcast. Where we bring you stories, conversations, and life experiences of those that have taken the journey and the leap of faith from employee to entrepreneurship. Every week we will bring you interviews or messages from us about what it took for people to take this bold conscious journey. So without further ado, let's get into our episode today. Our guest today has wandered a long and winding journey with a joyful soul on an often prickly path. Carol Marco went from analyzing municipal bonds at Moody's to running the global fixed income marketing at State Street Global Advisors, to decorating James Taylor's house, to hosting an NPR radio show and two nationally televised PBS specials focused on storytelling around our connection to ancestral foods and family recipes called heirloom meals. She then went to surrendering all that when she was diagnosed with an extremely rare and theoretically incurable eye disease, which thrust her into a healing odyssey to discover that the answer lies within her. Meditation, plants, food, and consciousness have been her medicine, and her diagnosis became her greatest teacher. Today, Carol is a NeuroChange Solutions consultant teaching Dr. Joe Dispenza's neuroscience-based Change Your Mind, Create New Results program to corporate leaders and anyone looking to make conscious change. And she was recently also lured back to financial services as the CMO of Net Capital Inc., where she is bringing her value-driven vision to a private equity ecosystem focused on democratizing access to private equity, as well as becoming a voice for women and underrepresented founders. She is a daughter, a wife, a stepmom, an avid gardener of flowers and vegetables, a gourmet cook, a culinary instructor, writer, and as a lifelong learner, she is an herbalist, a certified health coach, a certified cannabis coach, and soon-to-be certified Qigong Dragon's Way instructor. We are so excited for today's episode. We are so, so thrilled to welcome our friend Carol Marco on our episode today to share the highlights and the lows of <laughs> what it took to transition from being a corporate leader to entrepreneurship. Welcome, Carol. Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's such a, it's a delight. I mean, I, I just love the two of you and what you're doing. Um, and it's, it's, it's a thrill. So thank you. So, uh, Carol, maybe we start with, you know, you, you telling the audience uh, beyond what we've already told them who you are in mm -hmm. your words. Okay, well, that's easy. I know myself best, right? <laughs> um, you are the expert on Zoom. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, you know, it's a very interesting question because I've made many transitions. So I, I, I think I definitely fall into the category of being courageous and listening to my soul. Um, you know, right out of college, I went into finance and right down to becoming a credit analyst and then a municipal bond trader and then 
um, getting my graduate degree at night at NYU in international economics. And, but there was always like this churning in my soul, like even back in my twenties, right? Like it was just like, I would go around, I actually, I was a credit analyst at Moody's investor services. And I would look at the 30 year olds right at the time. And I'd be like, do you really like this? Like, I was just trying to project myself. Like, could I be in a cubicle, you know, at 30, you know, like, like, and, you know, they all thought I was, you know, really charming, but interesting, right? Because I don't think a lot of people think about these things, right? They just like, and, and I was really impressed with them because they seemed happy, right? Like they were happily in the cubicle at 30 and I was unhappy in the cubicle at 22. So like, I was just like, so, um, so it was, it started early, like, but, um, it didn't mean that I, I jumped ship. I just, um, would jump ship into different areas, you know, in that whole wall street space, because at that time I still wasn't really sure what all of that, um, was what what that was speaking to me, right? So I went from that to um, to trading municipal bonds, which couldn't have been the worst place on the planet for me, as you might imagine. So this was in the like um, mid to late '80s. Uh, cocaine was like the you know the the drug of choice. I remember getting picked up by you know, one of the brokers in a limo and, and it's like, there's just all this stuff. And I was just like, <gasps> and I'm like, this is not where I belong. How am I going to deal with this? But of course I was like, no, thank you. And, um, so I, you know, managed to, uh, so yeah, so this was in 1987 and this, the crash of the, of, of the stock market saved me. And, um, so I ended up in, um, in going, finishing my grad school program full time, but I had a friend who was the human resources director of Tiffany's on Fifth Avenue in New York. So I, she, I was like, hey, you know, do you need any help? Because I thought I didn't want to stop wearing all my fun clothes, right? So, like, <laughs> so um, anyway, so I, I was, I worked in the silver men's jewelry counter at Tiffany's and it was sort of a blast because all these famous people would come through at the time like Melissa Gilbert was um engaged to um Rob Lowe and they came in to pick their silver but then they ended up getting married so it was like kind of like an exciting like kind of side thing got my um but I really love to cook so I had this other side gig where I started doing um catering and um so I ended up catering um professor's parties at NYU (laughs) and then for a friend who was running a a film company so I would do their on location shoots and um but what I realized is that I just had no clue how to actually make money in catering or any you know I was just like I love to cook but um and 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 I had my brain too like so I just was getting this degree in international economics like how do I marry these two things um so I just decided I would just have parties um to cook, to, 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 um, and then I got a job um, working in um, for an international money management um, firm, and um, thought, okay, you know, maybe this is great, like I'll, in marketing. So as opposed to like in in the in the you know trenches, I was now going to like understand these products and try to market them, and use my creativity, and it was great until, uh, but it was sort of boring. And then I got um, lured away by another um, one of the uh, money management firms, and 
that was kind of produced like a, an event that kind of kept me in um, financial services for another seven years, which was my boss wanted to sleep with me. And I mm. told him in, uh, in very frank terms that that was not an option. And then I got fired for insubordination. So, um, so it was really like, so I know I'm giving a long story, but it kind of like, I think it's a great, if we're talking about transitions, like I've had many, you know, some of them that I created, some of them that were created for me. Um, and then the only job I could get out of, you know, under the kind of like, you know, the being fired and you can't talk about it thing was, um, uh, as a salesperson at state street asset management in Boston. Mm. And so I cried the whole way driving up because, you know, as a new New York died in the little New Yorker and I was going to Boston. I mean, how provincial. And, um, so, but I fell in love with Boston and state street was, I think, you know, part of like another like journey. So I had to like overcome the, um, the being terminated, I had to overcome the, the, um, victim syndrome that I had because, you know, was it really, could it have been my fault? Right. Like, and I had to, um, also like, you know, kind of be comfortable around men again, right. Like without feeling like I somehow created an environment that would have led to being fired. And, um, and so the best way I knew how to do that was to perform, right? So I just was like, I'm just going to put my head down. I, I um, wanted to get my CFA and um, I had to fight for that too because CFA is Chartered Financial Analyst. It takes three years to get. It's not, you know, um, it's not for the faint of, uh, of heart because it's, uh, it's a very challenging. And all the men, of course, like said to me, Oh, we're so proud of you, Carol. This is really, you know, because I wasn't a portfolio manager, so I was a marketing person. And they're like, but we're just so happy that you're even trying. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, dudes, I'm an A student. Like, you just don't get it. Like, not an option, Phil. So I did. I got it. It's once a year. You take three three exams. It's three levels. Um, I passed each one each May. Um, so I got my CFA in three years. Um, I also um, was elevated to um, the global fixed income marketing director and raised something like $16 billion in nine months. And mm. by the way, I should have been like kind of paraded around, right? Like it was the worst time of my life. Um, it was like every person who had um, small egos or uh, it was like I had daggers in my, in, you know, it was like, oh, another one. You know, it was like they tried to like, you know, like cap capture me every step of the way. Like they, you know, like she can't be that successful. She can't be that successful to the point where I finally got recruited away from another firm. And then, um, that sort of ended my career. Um, at that moment, um, I, um, you know, was recruited to create a, um, fixed income group and it failed miserably, not because we didn't try, but because the firm didn't allow us to do what we knew how to do. And my boss said, you know, you need to lie. And I said, no, I need to quit. And, um, and I think I told you this, Trisha, that, uh, you know, the only thing that mattered was my shoes under my desk and I just packed them up and left. And I'm like, I'm never going back. And from there on, I had so many reinventions. Um, I went to school for interior design and I, um, 
I hung up my shingle at the same time and all my friends in the back bay of Boston were redoing their newly purchased condos. So I had instant business. Um, and then I fell in love with somebody whose property I had decorated and then I moved to the Berkshires and, um, got my real estate license. So I had a real estate and interior design business for years. And then I, um, was still like churning though, like all of the stuff I've done, it was still like, there's that little voice in me that was still like, who are you, Carol? Like, who are you? And um, I went to this great workshop called Getting to Next, um, and it reduced me to my core values, which is I love my family, I love to cook, and I love to entertain. At least that's what they were at the time. And I created Heirloom Meals, which was a storytelling platform um, to share people's connections to their family recipes and tips. And I did, um, oh, I don't know, probably 250 radio shows on a local NPR station, produced two nationally televised um, PBS shows and I was just in heaven. I mean, it was just, you know, it was so love and heart centered and it was so beautiful. Um, but this will give you a clue to like, you know, trying to get sponsors for the show or taking it to like people like, Oh, why don't you take it to the food network? I brought it to the food network and they're like, there's no tension in your show. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, because it was a show about love, right? Like, and their formula, you know, a lot of these, they had formulas, right? You had tension and, or there was no competition. I said, well, food shouldn't be competition. Food is love. Food is nourishment. You shouldn't be creating agita, like, like around food, right? Enough people have indigestion, you know, like, so, um, so I had to, um, you know, kind of pivot. I hate, actually, I've learned to hate that word. I have to use a new word. I, I learned to um, shift my attention once again when I, um, you know, uh, had some health issues. And, um, and I'm now, you know, on, you know, multiple, you know, amazing healing journey. I mean, I have to say, like, you know, some of these um, health issues become blessings if you, if you receive them that way. And, uh, that has turned me on to, um, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who I know you are familiar with, and I have, um, now a NeuroChange um, Solutions consultant, but simultaneously I posted like a, you go girl on, um, Corrine Chrysler, who's the CFO of Net Capital when she, you know, about a year and a half ago, um, and she's like, come work for us. And I like, I was like, well, I have been out of financial services for like 20 years. And she's like, I don't care. You were like the best marketer I've ever worked with. So now I am the CMO of Net Capital Inc. I am a NeuroChange Solutions consultant. And, you know, I'm still kind of playing around with, um, with heirloom meals. So was that more, more than you expected? <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So we, we just get to say, wow. Um, because there's so much that you shared, like all the points in which, you know, whether it was um, precipitated by something outside of you that caused something within to make a move. Uh, really, when, when, when listening to what you shared to your story, I think, you know, we all can relate to similar moments in our lives where it feels like it's not in our control and you know what you what you shared is that you know you kept going with the flow of life and 
It's interesting though that at 22, you were asking that question you wanted to know from the 30 year olds, is this really making you happy? <laughs> because I do think, you know, people listening to this, to this podcast, um, we talk to our audience a lot about being heart centered and listening to your intuition. And, you know, these types of questions come to us and um, we might not have the answers to them. I think the, the wisdom is in allowing yourself to actually keep asking it and to express it um, because we don't know what life is going to deal. Um, and there's just so many, so many nuggets that you shared there. I want to ask you a question about, you said you finally released or let go of this victim syndrome that you had. You know, that's a very bold statement to make. So what did that entail? What does that mean to you? And for people listening who are feeling victimized, whether it's a situation or whether it's this current, you know, COVID uh, situation we're all part of together, what can you say about just letting go of that victim syndrome? Well, you know, first of all, you have to know you're actually experiencing it, right? Like, and so um, the I think, the thing for me has been, you know, even now that I'm even teaching the work, I've always been an observer of myself. So I think you have to be an observer of yourself and, you know, and, and see how you've changed, how you let things even change you. Right. And so what I was observing is that, you know, I was always, um, gregarious once I know people, right? Like it takes me like I'm shy and gregarious at the same time. And then I always had an easy smile. And what I noticed is that my, my smile disappeared, right? It just, I, and that was like, I, I really just, I was like, they win, right? Like that was kind of in my head. It's like, if I lose like this essence, right? This joy essence that, that kind of, I know that always flowed out of my body that then, you know, I've given my power away. I've given it to like the jerk who fired me, right? That I've, you know, and, um, and so, um, I just remember being in my office and one of the guys that, um, was on the floor, you know, he comes, knocks on my door and he says, um, I know there's a fun person in there. <laughs> and he said, I know what happened. I, I'm, I'm friends with a guy that you, you know, one of the guys that was in the, you know, in the company that you worked with. And from that point forward, like, you know, I could, I was, I felt like a little liberated to like, let start letting myself back out and knowing that like, I wasn't responsible for like having a guy, you know, want to like sleep with me and control me and tell him to like bug off. And, um, but I also, um, you know, really wanted to, um, not shut down my femininity, right? Because that's such an important part of who we are. So I, you know, I wasn't going to, you know, wear skirts, you know, down to my ankles and I, you know, wasn't going to like, you know, shift the way I dressed and, and on all of that. And so I really made a conscious effort to like stay Carol, right? Like, and, and, but 
you know, there was still that like little voice that was just like, you know, are you smart enough? Are you good enough? Like, you know, do you really belong? And, um, and I believe, and I know that, um, the pursuit of the CFA was multi, you know, it had two purposes, right? It was something that would enhance my career, but it also helped me, um, with my confidence and, or regrow my confidence. And, um, and it was honestly the, almost like, almost to the minute of actually get within a year of getting my CFA. Um, you know, I, I knew I was going to be leaving the industry, right? It was just like, I, I had done it. I had kind of, you know, proven to myself that I had it. I had what it took, you know, on, on all levels. Um, and that whatever that man said about me was all BS and mm-hmm. I could let that go. But so it was a process, right? There was like, it's not like, you know, an A or B, there's so many layers. So like I dealt with like the joy layer first, right? Like keeping that. Then I had to deal with the little voice layer of like, you know, are you a fraud? Like, do you really, are you, you know, do you have what, you know, do you have the stuff to like succeed in this very male dominated, aggressive environment? And, um, and so I, I think I married you know, the intelligence with my soul and spirit very well. But I decided that, like, I didn't want to do that anymore because it was still, you know, unfortunately a soul-deadening, you know, arena. I mean, a lot of people misbehave in finance and, you know, it's like, time to move on. (laughs) So I hope that answered your question. (laughs) Well, that's just so powerful. I mean, it's funny when you said 1987, I joined Wall Street as a man a week before that crash. Wow. Uh, coming from another industry into into this. And, you know, a lot of what you said uh, resonates. I mean, I was with a, you know, big, um, uh, you know, well-known global firm. It's it's hard when you're a man to, not, you know, to... to have these or have the same kind of encounters that you did, but I certainly heard stories. And uh, you know, it's not to say uh, you know we as men we don't we don't you know have that certain you know sort of quote unquote privilege that we somehow have lived. And I think these stories um, as they're coming out, I think it's so 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 well said. And so so going back to you know how you feel. You wanted to be authentic, you, you, Carol, out there over the over the unfolding of these events that you've had over twenty years now. In terms of, uh, what, what do you remember any moments or moment where you really wanted to be the entrepreneur, or that's a label, right? Because that's just what you're doing. Now you're doing multiple things. You know, I don't know if you consider going back to net capital. It's still entrepreneur. I feel like it's still entrepreneur, right? Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about that. Um, well. You know, my dad's my dad was, was an entrepreneur, so like I, I lived in the entrepreneur kind of zeitgeist, and um, you know, we're, so he started a commercial printing business when he was 18 years old. So I, I you know, I, I I had a living example of somebody who um, was the chief executive optimist. You know, I mean, I think I don't know if I told you guys, but he used to sing, "Oh, what a beautiful morning! Oh, what a beautiful!" 
day, wow. I, right, every day, like when since we were little, and I actually thought he wrote it, right? Like, like <laughs> you know, until you're old enough to know, like, oh my God, that's like from Oklahoma. Um, so, you know, I had this, an example in my life of somebody who had a passion for what he was doing and took risks and, you know, and we, we were either like, kind of poor or super, super rich, right? It was like, that's the entrepreneur journey, right? Like, like and, um, but he never, ever, like, you know, he never gave in. And, um, but he was so proud of me, you know, to, to go to Smith. I went to Smith College. Like, he was just like, you know, he didn't go to college. It was just like this thing that, and, and he just saw, like, this notion of me going to Wall Street and, you know, how much money I could possibly make is just being such an amazing thing. And so it's almost like he, he, in some ways he was my best example, but he was also sort of like, go do that. You could do that. Like, and you know, I didn't have that option. And so I, I, you know, so I always had, so just so you know, as a little kid, um, you know, I, I played the piano and I decided to um, offer piano lessons when I was, I didn't do babysitting. That was just not my thing. So I did uh, <laughs> piano lessons. And then, I don't know, it was like this period where you could actually sell stationery. So I sold stationery, like you made like a few bucks or whatever. And um, so I was always like doing entrepreneurial kind of stuff. And, um, and so I think it was like in me. Um, and so I think, so, and I, you know, I, I'm, I I'm going to go backwards a little bit that like, you know, I've always like done other, right? Like I've never just had like a job and, and then just went home and did nothing, right? Or just like hung out or read a book. It was like, I was always creating. And so like that creating, th that is just who I am. Right. And so mm -hmm. to just, to become an entrepreneur is like, and I, 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 I basically say I'm a creative entrepreneur. Like I just, there's so many ideas in me that I, I have to explore them. They have to come out. Um, a lot of times I have the career, the stable paycheck because, <laughs> because like, you know, you need to pay the bills. Um, but, um, but I think it's listening to the soul. I think it's listening to that little voice. I think it's mm. um, like just not, you know, letting that not shutting it down because I think when you shut it down, that's when that dissatisfaction happens. I think that's when people get grumpy. I think that's when they like shut down, right? They like almost become like, like they've stopped living, right? They just sort of exist. And I just see that as like not an option. So can I follow up on yes. that just for our audience? It, you know, you're not saying that, uh, for someone who may be considering leaving a corporate to go entrepreneur, that they, that it's, it's something is you're born with. You, you can you can listen to that voice. It could translate into entrepreneurship. Right. So could you clarify that just to be? Um, sure, but I think it could be you could be an entrepreneur in a in an organization. You know, it's it's attitude. Mm. I think it's all attitude. I really do. I think that you know if you're fortunate enough to be in an organization that appreciates that quality. I mean, you could be an entrepreneur within an organization and take that creative, you know, juice and, you know, kind of either develop a division or, you know, lead a division. Um, I do think that, you know, it's entrepreneurism is not for 
Um, the faint of heart though. I mean, it is, it's, 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 it takes a lot of focus. It takes um, passion, right? Your passion has to be really like driving you to stay in it, right? To take the risks. Um, and you have to believe in yourself. Like you have to, and you have to be courageous. And um, so I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's clarifying because, you know, I wasn't born into entrepreneurship, but throughout my 20 year career in, in corporate, I felt I was entrepreneurial. And to the extent I was able to create something out of, that wasn't there before right, right. that was entrepreneurial then there's entrepreneurial and there were there was being, a, being an entrepreneur so right you know for the past 15 years it's lots of different businesses and you just don't know where the next thing is gonna you know pop right so but that's the that's the adventure of being an entrepreneur so you, you certainly clarified so thank you you're welcome so carol you spoke a lot about um listening or you know that passion and um staying connected to that how, you know, if you were to um, advise someone that you're mentoring on how um, they might be able to hear that inner voice, you know, we sp speak with a lot of people who, um, unfortunately, because we have so much noise yeah. that we have to contend with, that it's true that a lot of people, most people actually have a very, very difficult time accessing that intuition um, have a hard time hearing themselves and actually aren't even aware or comfortable um, with, with asking questions of themselves. This whole notion of being able to observe yourself can sound so distant and far away. Um, if somebody wanted to, you know, cultivate those practices, what would you recommend? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I think quiet, just giving yourself quiet time. Um, you know, you cannot be creative or access any of those things when you're in, you know, you know just with your all the time with, um, you know, watching the news, um, not tuning out. I mean, you have to tune out, like you just absolutely have to disconnect and whatever that means. It could be like, you know, taking five minutes to just breathe, right? Like we, you know, I mean, mm. how many people just go through life holding their breath? I mean, you know, and they're, don't get me wrong. Like I have definitely had periods where, you know, I'm holding my breath, right? I'm not like living, like skipping every day. Like, um but it's it's that like I want to skip right like it's just and I know when I'm not skipping like why aren't I skipping right like what's what's so it's like I what I say is just think about who you really want to be who are you really like if you're like and and then what are you not doing like if you're not the, who you want to be like what what's in the way so you know so I think pausing, asking those questions, um, and, um, certainly, you know, like <laughs> I could tap into some of the Dr. Joe Dispenza stuff too. It's, it's, you know, really tapping into, you know, what your thoughts are and, and, and the fact that, you know, there is a lot of stress in our world and we could focus on that or we could focus on where we want to be. And, you know, fortunately, 
you know, for me, I think having, you know, maybe my dad as an example, or just, you know, my, um, you know, born with, you know, a soul that has, is curious. Um, you know, I've always, you know, always looked for like kind of more, but the point is, is like, you could look for more and never get it. And I think the real, um, the real, um, lesson for me was, um, like gratitude, right? Like, I mean, I think, um, many in, in over the last years, it's been about a gratitude practice. And so, and when you actually pause to be grateful, that will allows you to tap in, right? That even opens up, um, opens your heart. Um, and the first really conscious gratitude practice I did probably was a good 10 years ago. And I would walk up and down our driveway in our street and I would thank everything, right? The blades of grass, the, you know, the, the macadam on the, on, on the driveway, the, you know, the sun that was like, you know, feeding the, you know, you know, giving photosynthesis, like the windows in my house. Like, it was just like, I kind of took it to a, but it was like, but when you go to that extreme, you realize how many things we take for granted, right? Yes. And that we don't exist in the present moment of, of, of that grace to be, imagine, you know, living, you know, being like living in an unheated cabin, right? Like, you know, like, you know, or, you know, I read a lot of books over the years about, you know, you know, medieval times and you know, just, you know, all these sayings, it's raining cats and dogs. It's because cats and dogs are actually on the roofs of, of, of these like thatch roof, you know, like huts, right? Like they would actually like fall through the roof <laughs> like, so, like we don't look at what we have like so it's just gratitude 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 yes and we know we know you really live by that because <laughs> i i love that gratitude pad that you gave us i mean yeah. i've been using it and um my niece and my nephew were over last week and they just saw all a whole bunch of them filled out and <laughs> My niece is like, can I, can I get one? And Aww. she wrote out her list. So thank you for that. Oh, you're so welcome. But it's, it's so important. And even sometimes, you know, it's hard to find the five things, right? Like you're kind of, you'd be in like a grumpy mood, yet something bad happened or whatever. And, um, and then you just, it's like, okay, I'm thankful for my dog or, you know, like something just so that you could just connect to like it right it doesn't have to be big it just has to like it's it's consciousness right like here we are bold conscious leaders it's being conscious right and since you brought up joe dispenza of course we have to acknowledge my absolute favorite quote from him is gratitude is the ultimate state of receivership which really is about um being grateful for things unseen you know i think we've all been we've all learned to be grateful for something when you receive it and you know what i love about his his teaching and that message is that just the imagination of it just the the desire you know even if it has not manifested physically yet that by being grateful for you know for that already that you open yourself up to the flow of life and that's certainly one of um, when I started getting into his work two years ago, that was one of the things that really attracted me to his work. Yeah, it's powerful. And the whole notion of, um, you know, that we can create 
by thought alone. And um, it's, it's so powerful. So, and we could certainly, you know, talk more about that. I don't think that's what we're here to do, but it's just, it's powerful work. And, um, and, you know, work that's really transforming my life, you know, on a, on a day-to-day basis, you know, thinking about, um, you know, how to, you know, live joyfully, live, um, in the present moment. So, um, so consciously that, you know, that you don't get bogged down by any of the other stuff, any of the negative energies that are around. So, you know, we've certainly had the good fortune of, um, you know, not only enjoying your food and, and being <laughs> able to see how you, how you talk about the, the love and the, the unity consciousness kind of love that everything emanates from that, whether it's in your food and your love for your, you know, herbs and gardens. And it's like, okay, so that's just beautiful. Uh, what I was going to say for, for those listening and, you know, who are in this, you know, maybe turmoil or coming out of something external in their lives or what they're feeling internally, if they're ready to jump, what they need to do to find themselves. Um, you talked a little about the consciousness practices that you have, and we've all shared that. Um, what What is it that, you know, typically people are very fearful of, right? Because it's all about what's on the other side. I don't know. So in our teachings, we talk about the why and the what's more important and let the how unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak to that, that syndrome of, you know, how do I overcome? And there's all these fears that I have. And what if this happens? I may have a health issue. I may have had other. So it's all external in, in that way that you can. Very important, uh, be. But what is it that they can do to actually manifest what they need to manifest? Well, they definitely have to, um, you know, become an observer of those thoughts, right? So if they are thinking about, um, you know, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, like you're not living in the present moment, you're, you're living in the fear of the future, right? So, um, and that creates stress. And when you're in stress, you can't create anything, right? You just, you're stuck. And so the first thing I would recommend is becoming an observer of those thoughts and writing them down and, um, and, and, you know, and here, you know, here's another, the unknown will never let you down, right? I mean, the, uh, we, every day is unknown. You don't know if you're going to wake up. You don't know what the weather's going to be. You don't know, like, you know, who, and nothing. And so like, why would you, why would you allow like the potential future negatives to steal your now? I love that. The unknown will never let you down. Wow. That's a Carol quote. Yeah. Well, just think about it. It won't, it doesn't. I mean, like, look, I have, you know, I mean, my body has a rare, extremely rare autoimmune eye disease. Like, it's just like, am I going to live in fear that I'm, you know, going to lose my sight or am I just going to like trust that I, my body is going to heal itself and that I, and, and then I have that belief. If, I mean, I have two choices, just, just go down the rabbit hole, you know, like, and then actually become what everybody says that I might, you know, which is, we don't even say the word. So, um, but you can't, you can't, you know, and I, I have these conversations with a lot of people and particularly like my mom, you know, it's just like, she, 
she's a worrier. And it's like, mom, worrying is just stealing your, your, your bliss, your joy. It's like, it's, if you, you know, all of that worrying, you know, all of these years, like didn't stop any of the bad stuff from happening, right? Like it could possibly have even created it because you put energy there. So stop worrying. I mean, it's really, it's just, it's creating like unnecessary, it's unnecessary roughness to yourself. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, this is, <clears throat> you mentioned before, like uh, when we were talking about um, some of these practices that perhaps that's not what, what this is about. In actuality, everything that you've shared as far as, you know, what these practices are, it's all the work that makes this entrepreneurship journey work, right. this adventure, you know, um, that's the work that makes this whole idea of letting the how unfold. You know, when we say it's not for the faint of heart, that's why we love that too, because that speaks to the boldness, right? right. And, um, you know, it's not an accident that a lot of meditations it doesn't matter where it comes from, um, whether it's, you know, ancient practices or something that was just put together by, you know, minds in the scientific community, it doesn't matter. They all begin with accessing your heart, which is really the entry point, right? Mm -hmm. And this idea of not for the faint of heart um, is so, it's so important to this journey because to your point, I love, like Raju said, what you just said, the unknown will never let you down. Why would you let it steal your now? Mm -hmm. You know, and if we, if we were to rewind this podcast and go all the way back to the beginning when you were sharing those moments, those transitions, it was, it was about like being connected to who you are. I also want to bring another point back which was that you were so conscious about wanting to remain in your femininity that you didn't want to lose the essence of the joy that was carol and that you stayed true to that and i think you know that's something that we can all remember that when the stress you know, comes, whether it's internally driven or externally, you know, um, Im imposed on us, that not for the faint of heart speaks to the commitment to yourself. You know, we, we our, our teacher calls it committed conviction, like a firm conviction of, of staying true to who you are and, um, not wanting to let your feminine lose your femininity or lose the essence of you as you make those moves, I think is so important to this conversation because people listening are probably faced with the daunting um, idea of them having to walk away from decades of experience doing what they're doing with their identities attached to you know, these jobs and now the idea of reinventing yourself or actually getting more closer to the true essence of you, which would mean like an uncovering, like a discovering. Um, as you were going through all this, what did you uncover for yourself? I mean, through the all, all these years, um, 
Well, you know, I think what I uncovered is a belief that, that a knowledge that I'm courageous, right? Like, um, Mm. and, you know, because if, you know, now that you, I have perspective of really looking back, it's, it's, it takes courage, you know, to fight, you know, even a, um, wrongful termination suit. It takes courage to, um, you know, without missing a beat interview for another job in a similar space. Um, it takes courage to, um, march into the CEO's office, um, when I wanted to get my CFA and because he said, you're not qualified. And I take my resume and I'm like, I am so like, like, and, um, and, you know, just every single step is like, you know, it's believing in yourself. And I think that's why that's, you know, I, and I don't think it's just, um, entrepreneurs, you know, it's not just in the purview of an entrepreneur to believe in themselves. I think that, you know, in life, you need to believe in yourself. Um, but as an entrepreneur, you have to have even a a stronger true North, right? Like, Mm. because I think when you're an employee, you know, I think, you know, sometimes you're forced into, into boundaries, right? And so like, it could be a disaster if you like kind of, you know, kind of move out of them, right? Because they'll be like, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, but, you know, as an entrepreneur, like you just have to like, you know, really just, you know, live in that space of courage and passion. Um, and I guess like, I mean, really, I think that's, I think of myself as courageous and, um, and that's not how I would have described myself at 22, probably not even at 32 and not even at 42. Um, and then I had to say like the health journey was fascinating to me because, um, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm sure this happens to a lot of people who get diagnoses. Like I thought it was my fault at first, like, you know, mm. and it's like how, you know, cause I mean, I've had people say to me, you're the healthiest eater. I know you take such good care of yourself. You know, I was like, yada, yada, yada. And so then all of a sudden it's like, how did I let this happen? Right. Like, and I feel like this has been like the biggest, um, breakthrough for me in, you know, in being able to step back enough to just, you know, even peel away more layers about myself. So yes, the joy Carol was coming out, but there, there's probably some stuff that I may have masked with that joy, right? Like, um, some habits that I had uh, formed, um, you know, watching my mom, my grandmother's like the caretakers. Um, and so, you know, I've had the opportunity to even, you know, observe more about certain qualities of myself that ultimately don't serve me. Um, and, um, so I, I think that I'm a courageous observer and life will continue to give you lessons that you need so that you become better and better and better. Like, and if you don't pay attention to the lessons, shame on you. Oh man, that's Carol, for the benefit of our listeners, can you share one example of how you might have masked something? Just one tiny um, example. <laughs> um, 
laughter. <laughs> Mm. so I so this is very interesting so growing up there was this kid Jerry O'Reilly and I remember it very very distinctly he said when you're uncomfortable just nod and smile (laughs) and so you know I I I took that on I was like so I would just you know nod and smile even if it was like just like in my head I was definitely not I was saying a few choice things in my brain I was just like um and also so that would be one thing like just um you know nodding nodding and smiling in, in very uncomfortable situations um but how could that be a bad thing Right, because some some might argue, well, that's fine. You just like stay out of trouble that way. Why why would that work against you? Because I should have. Am I allowed to say bad words? <laughs> you know, if, if somebody were was a complete dickwad, like I, you know, I should have just told them. You know, like you know, instead it's like then I absorb that energy, right? Instead of like just basically saying, you know what, no, you're not allowed to do that. Like, no, absolutely, you know. But instead, it was just like the nice girl syndrome, right? Sort of came out that like, kind of like just nod and smile when you don't agree. Right. It's just, and you know, it doesn't, it didn't really, it doesn't ultimately serve you because you, you know, a, you don't necessarily, you don't have to put people in their places, but like you can't allow people to steal your, your energy. Like, you know, the energy vampires out there who are going to like tap into you and you're not going to be like, no, 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 you're not allowed. Yes. So, so important. I'm so Absolutely. glad that that came out in this conversation because I think for those, a lot of people will resonate with that. And so for men in the audience, don't think this is only about women, all right, guys? You just need to tap into your whatever individuality as well to be sure. Carol's giving you dropping nuggets here for <laughs> us. To, so just, you know, taking for granted all those things that you just mentioned and gratitude. Yeah, and just to just to highlight that, Carol, what you just said about um, just, you know, expressing yourself. We, we talk about this a lot, you know, um, we have voices. Right. We have this wonderful throat chakra so that we can express ourselves explicitly if necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, we, I always say, like, in a responsible way. And sometimes responsibility will involve anger. Yes. And I think that um, masking certain emotions, uh, especially if, if, you know, what you were sharing, the example of just, you know, just smile, ha, ha, ha. Um, it, it does ultimately, at the end of the day, it is an energy it is an energy drain and full conscious connections is also about recognizing that we're spiritual beings having this human experience. And so we're very conscious about, you know, being aligned with the energy that we are putting out and the energy that we are taking in. And it means that being bold, it means you're taking ownership of your experience. And so I love that you shared that example because it really speaks to this idea of how we can all take ownership of our experience yeah. and these emotions all exist for a reason all these emotions are available to us for a reason for us to be able to do that responsibly yeah. express ourselves responsibly with each other yeah beautiful yeah 
Well, I, I just want to add that, you know, there, and I believe that you have similar qualities of empathy. And, um, and I do also believe that, you know, I mean, I can, I, my father used to call me the faucet, right? Because I, I was deeply sensitive. And, you know, so the Wall Street years definitely um, were hard because, you know, you couldn't, I couldn't just cry when people were mean. Like, you know, you'd have to like do the mask and then come home and cry. And, you know, that mm. in the long run isn't that healthy either, right? It's just, um, so, but I, I got to the point where I just wasn't afraid of crying anymore. Um, and, you know, I definitely cried at my desk many times and that scares people or did and it still may but you know don't hold it in I mean if the tears are there you know they're your soul right they're 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 coming from your soul and you know to not even you know so laughter joy yes but like tears are also part of this whole journey and, you know, I have definitely could fill a few lakes of tears, um, you know, so, you know, don't just, I don't want to, anybody to think that there's, this is Pollyanna either. Like, it's just, um, so I just, I wanted to make that point that. Um, so That's well important. said, well yeah. said, because did you come across any men crying at work? Rarely. I, I can't. Mm. Um, no. Um, my father cried. Um, Jim mm. cries. Um, um, I'm a real proponent of crying. Um, so we always say tears are a release, yes. you know, and they're totally a release. Like I, my qigong, my master says, you know, when you're doing the practice, like if tears come out of your eyes, you're being healed, right? Like this yeah. is like this big. They're they. They're coming from deep in your soul, right? And so, and when, and when, and when people hurt you, like crying is important. You can't be like, oh, that doesn't matter. Like, I'm like, you know, I used to have another one of my bosses, like, Carol, you need to be a duck and let the, you know, just flow off your back. And it's like, yes, I totally agree. We need to totally not absorb others' energy. But when you are sensitive, like, you know, like you, mm. you have to, like, experience it and, and express it so well you know it's it's unfortunate people like me pro programmed to 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 do to do exactly that not crying is weak and all of those things and i like you would come come home from work very angry frustrated with whatever the day was and then just you know let go and it normally came out in anger either yelling at the kids or whatever and so for, for i'm just pointing out men again because i don't want them to to, in this audience to really make sure that men, women, it's all the same. Your energies, feminine, masculine, do exist within you. So it's powerful to cleanse yourself. And, and it's been a hard journey for me. That's been the hardest challenge for me is to be able to let go and actually release. So super important for those listening to, to use these just really gems and wisdom that you're giving us to, to practice that, to really... It's okay to cry. It's okay to release. It's okay to do whatever you need to do to, to feel free. All the emotions exist for a reason. Yeah. And, you know, I think that um, as long as you have a practice where you're able to observe yourself, um, 
I think that's the key, Carol, you said yes. it. Yes. Observe yourself, observe your thoughts, observe yourself and how quickly you want to get rid of these thoughts because, you know, that is also where um, the healing is, is actually, um, you know, sometimes it's staying in that space to allow for what needs to come up and out mm -hmm. to be able to come up and out. And, um, every, you know, this is, this is, uh, of course, we would have this kind of depth <laughs> in this conversation. Um, it, it goes beyond what we, you know, what we plan for. But of course, we would have this depth. And, you know, we could keep talking to you, Carol, because <laughs> no. there's so many things we're touching here. Um, there's a whole other uh, piece I want to I want to touch, but we won't have time um, to go there. But it is about that idea of um accompanying that victim syndrome is, you know, the self betrayal and the self abandonment that we all engage with, engage in. Um, when we deny ourselves these opportunities to feel the full range of emotions. Um, and since we are speaking to not to the faint of heart, <laughs> if you're still listening, you know, if they're still listening, we're speaking to you. Um, yeah, you're going to have to tune in because Carol, we're going to have to bring you back and we're going to have to explore that, that level of, um, that part of the conversation. But, you know, we love having these, um, we love, we love this, this podcast platform where we get to really just talk with our guests, our friends, um, and ask questions. And there's so much that we learn in the process and, so much that it inspires in our audience. Um, for you, you know, we don't take any anything for granted. For you, what what might you have learned just in this conversation? Hmm. That beauty exists. I mean, it's just having um, and conscious. You know, the fact that you have a a podcast called Bold, Bold Conscious Leadership that yeah, we, we are evolving to a point where a show can exist that's even called that, right? Like in that I can be sitting in my living room looking at you guys talking, speaking from our hearts, right? Like it's just a miracle. And, mm -hmm. um, and so it's just, I just, I'm so... I've learned that, um, you know, I don't know. I guess what have I learned? That, that I'm a, I'm pretty cool, cool chick. Um, and I have a lot to say, and I'm using my voice. And um, it's wonderful to be interviewed as opposed to be the interviewer because I've done a lot of interviewing and I've pulled other people's hearts out of them. So I'm grateful that I had an opportunity to, um, to be asked to share what's in mine. So I really appreciate that. And we're honored and we really appreciate you sharing that with such depth and such, I mean, just all souls oozing out of you like you could just do that so oh my god so we we could really go on and i think there are so many layers of these topics that 
we want to bring you back for. All right. We'll yeah, just, um, we'll have we'll have to schedule that. We'll have okay. to bring you back We'd for love sure. That. Thank you. It's it. This has really been um, so beautiful, mm. you know, for us to just that we can reflect it back to you. This was, yeah, miracle, magical, all of those things, okay. you know, um, it's so, we don't take for granted that, you know, people come in and, and just expose themselves, you know, for the benefit of people listening. And we really thank you um, for doing that. So uh, imagine a virtual gratitude note coming to you on your notepad. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you, so much. <laughs> Thank you, Carol. Before we sign off, where can people who might be interested in in finding out more about you, where can they look you up? Uh, well, I guess LinkedIn is a great spot. So I'm, a, I'm Carol with an E. Um, Murko is M U R K O. Um, kind of that almost has everything that I've done. <laughs> like, like, um, if you're interested in you know raising capital, you can go to netcapital.com or netcapitaladvisors.com. And, um, and if you're interested in the, the consultant work that I'm doing with Dr. Joe Dispenza, you can go to neurochangesolutions.com. And, um, I don't even know if I'm on their website, but anyway, whatever, <laughs> like, um, I'll have to fix that if I'm not, <laughs> like, um, anyhow, um, and other than that, um, you know, you could always reach out to Trisha and Raju because they know they know where to find me. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah, we'll put that in the in the show notes always. So great, great. Well, thank All right, you. Carol, thanks again. Love you guys. You Love what you're Love doing. You. Love you, Carol. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. We bring you these conversations to inspire you on your journey, to encourage you, to excite you, and sustain your enthusiasm on this trip. We know it's not easy. We've been there before, and that's why we put together something that will support you. Go to our Instagram account, at Bold Conscious Leaders. There is a link in the bio for a masterclass that you can access for free called How to Transition from Employee to Entrepreneur. So subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Leave us a review and give us some feedback so we know what sort of topics to bring you in the future. And like anything else in life, nothing changes if nothing changes. And all you need is just one idea, one idea that just might change the trajectory of your life. So please go be bold. Focus on the what and the why and let the how unfold.